Welcome to the Scale Up Your Business podcast. In this podcast, we talk about what it takes to go from startup to scale up and beyond. How to significantly grow your business, create freedom, build wealth, and live life on your terms. Featuring some very special guests and experts to give you advice and direction on your journey. And now, introducing your host, entrepreneur, investor, and scale-up specialist, Nick Bradley. Hi, everyone. It's Nick Bradley here, and welcome to Scale Up Your Business. So this week, we are back with a fireside chat episode. And I'm delighted to have on the show Mr. Lee Horton. Now, for those of you who haven't heard one of my fireside chats before, it's where I sit down with a good friend and we we talk about stuff. And there's no fire because it is sort of summer here in the UK. But that doesn't matter. It's more about the backwards and forwards of our conversation and just different perspectives around things. So today the theme is very much about change, how you deal with change how you go through difficult periods of your life, how you pivot, how you evolve. And that's an important conversation for Lee. So Lee is a a business improvement coach, but what makes him, I think, different and what makes him stand out is that his journey to that is somewhat random. And there's a pivotal moment in his life, which we're going to talk about today, where he loses his best mate, Chris, after a brave battle with cancer. And that loss changed Lee's life forever. And he has now gone on to write five children's books. He's got a a bouncy castle business, uh, all sorts of crazy things like that. He, He spent 18 months DJing dressed as a monkey. We get into that a little bit. And he, he's sort of made his life, if you like, about communicating, making sense, inspiring, educating, around the three life lessons that were passed on to him by Chris just before he died in 2018. So what I love about this conversation is sometimes things happen in life which we don't expect. Sometimes they are things that we don't particularly want to happen, but they happen, right? That is life. So the message here, the deep message as we go backwards and forwards next to our fire, so to speak, is that you can't change the events that happen but you can absolutely change what you do about it. So I hope you enjoyed this fireside chat. Great conversation with my friend, Lee Horton. Here we go. Hi, everybody. Nick Bradley here. We are back doing a fireside chat episode of Scale Up Your Business, and I'm delighted to have joining me today, Mr. Lee Horton. Hello, Lee. Oh, um, hello there, Nick. Firstly, this is this is amazing, honestly, because I I didn't know if you were a real person or not. We've been talking about doing this for so long, um, but I, I, this is an absolute pleasure to finally um, to have this opportunity to to chat with you. And if I'm honest as well, you look a lot younger on Zoom calls than I was anticipating. Oh, mate, you're 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 too kind. Well, two things. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna retort in two ways. Firstly, it does look like I'm this kind of robot because I have people who respond to weird messages on LinkedIn. I'm sort of missed automation so like it's i'm sort of proud of that and then i'm sort of like oh that's not very good is it and then the second thing and this is this is the most important thing for our chat today i've had a haircut right and this haircut has been four and a half months in the waiting so i'm like that's why i look like i'm 10 because it's like beforehand i look like some caveman dude yeah, no, I love it. I love it. And the thing about lockdown is uh, everybody's been saying uh, um, that they've been looking forward to the haircut. I've not been able to um, to look forward to a haircut for probably about uh, 15 to 20 years now because my hair's growing on the center of my head. Everyone's listening to uh, this and we're just basically, we're looking at each other through a Zoom thing here. And, and Lee's got this amazing dome of skin and, and a very nice manicured beard. <laughs> and, and I've got this militant kind of thing going on like I'm out of Top Gun. Um, yeah. and that's it, right? That. Yeah, it's cool. But this is, um, so, so to kick off, so this is, so fireside chat, I've done a few of these, uh, there's no fire and it's kind of getting warm. So it's a stupid yeah. name to, to kick off. Right. <laughs> but it's, it's kind of us going backwards and forwards, just chatting about stuff because we're both focused on business improvement, growth, change, all that sort of stuff. So it's quite nice to sometimes just talk about what's going on and people can learn from the different perspectives and insights that we have. So, so tell us about, tell us about your, um, your story. Well, tell us about your podcast firstly, cause it's, I'm going to be on yours and yours going to be on mine. Yes. So the podcast is called Business Problem Solved. It's been going for just over two years now. It started as a 
Um, I had this big grand vision for it, but it, it's turned into really a journal of my development over the last two and a half years. So if you, if you listen to it, you can see exactly the, the type of work I've been doing at the times I've been doing it, because it's, it's been the only way I've been able to journal my journey for the last two and a, and a half years of, of, of learning as well. So it's been a, a huge opportunity for me to learn and to share those learnings. And I started it to try to document um, and, to, and to showcase my lessons and, and, and stuff about business change, improvement and leadership. But it's been the, the largest learning source for me, actually, completely selfishly. Yeah, I, it's funny that, isn't that? Because I, I I would say the same thing in terms of I started the podcast and it was somewhat cathartic in, in that I was sort of, I had stuff going on and I needed to get it out somewhere and I'm better talking than I am writing. I just don't like to write. And then obviously people listened to it and then it took a life of its own. But I, I agree with you that it was it was really a lot for me just to kind of get my things out of my head and just get things a little bit clearer overall. Um, and then it's taken on a life of its own. Yeah, no, completely. It's a, when it started as well, I didn't have any interviews. It was just me sat in my pants in a hotel room, keeping myself company. Um, <laughs> but, but now I've, I've been able to have amazing conversations with amazing people like yourself, Nick, that I never thought I would ever have an opportunity to chat with as well. So yeah, no, it's been an amazing platform for me. And I've, 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 I, th- I, lo- I love I love doing it. Love doing well, you know, it. You know, you're one of the more colourful people already on the podcast. I've had some colourful people. I've had some that just didn't even make it to air, though they were, they were that colourful. But you've, <laughs> you've written five children children's books you've uh, owned a bouncy castle business yes well, that must be fun. uh <laughs> you've been a dj uh you dj for 18 months dressed as a monkey yes uh and now you're an expert in business change improvement <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a natural yeah. link there so like it just kind of just kind of came together as i was talking right <laughs> So, well, and this is the thing, I think, I think we're, we're all born and, and we then live and we have different experiences that take us to the seats that we're in, that we're in now. And I, have, I genuinely believe I've had the most random journey to get to where I've got to. Yeah, Bouncy Castle on I had eight Bouncy Castles, two slides, Gladiator Jewel, Bouncy Boxing, four pairs of sumo suits, two of which were child I DJ in pubs and parties, dressed as a monkey for 18 months. But... One thing that, that on reflection is that every single thing that I've done has given me an opportunity to learn something as well, which gives me a completely different perspective on um, on, on what I do and, and how I've done it. And I think the I've been I'm, I'm one of those um, shiny um, object syndrome people, and and I've, I was going through my life and just doing oh yeah I'll do that I'll DJ I, I taught myself how to balloon model as well. Um, that's uh, making funny things out of balloons. Like, strategic. You mean like the dogs and things like? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. God, that's that's hard work, man. I whenever I go to a kid's party and my my one of my girls gets one and it kind of just falls apart, which means the person isn't very good. They come to me yes. to build it, right? Again, I'm like, <laughs> seriously, Matilda Arabella, like, like I know that I can do certain things, right? But I can't build a dog out of a balloon. Yeah, well, it's a life skill. Once you've got it, you never forget it, though, as well. And, and honestly, you, you're um, a dream at kids' parties, but then there will be a big, long queue. So all of these things have taught me all, all so many things. And then it was actually about two and a half years ago when one moment of my life, the worst moment of my life, actually focused me more than, than any, any any other. In fact, actually, am I all right just, uh, just chatting to you about this? Yeah, well, I think what I'll do very quickly is just, just set the stall and then let's get yeah, go this. Yeah, So... So um, for anyone who's listening to this, who's this weird guy talking on Lee's podcast? My name's Nick Bradley. I don't, my, my story is nothing like that, right? I can't talk about, you know, anything to do with bouncy castles that sounds anything normal. Um, so, yeah, so I, I, I've spent years in sort of financial, I'm going to call it financial services, but it was private equity, bought businesses, scaled them up, sold them got addicted to the whole world, which is something like, you know, if you've ever seen Wall Street, it's a bit like Gordon Gecko. And then most recently there's a series called Billions with a guy called Bobby Axelrod. And I was kind of like that, right? So a bit of an ass, all those things. It ended up catching up with me. Uh, I, I decided to turn my back on it fully um, for reasons which we might get into today. And now I, I help entrepreneurs and investors do a similar thing, but I work more with the entrepreneurs about how they can grow and scale their business using more strategic things like acquisitions, really to create freedom, wealth, impact, those sort of things. But it's much more balanced and holistic than what it was in those private equity days. So that's what I do. And, and today, I think the general theme of today is about change. So we're recording this as, well, it's sunny, 
Uh, we're sunny here anyway. It's, it's a rare thing. Um, and, you know, we're kind, of, we're kind of seeing a bit of a light, I think, at the end of the COVID tunnel. Certainly things are starting to pick up. There's vaccinations happening. There's the idea of travel. Um, and, you know, the idea of how people have to evolve now and I suppose understand change now is something that we can kind of talk about, um, I suppose, in the context of our stories as well. Yeah, completely. So I, I just want to say thank you, Nikki, for this because um, you're bringing structure to my unstructured uh, life, and, 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 and I need that because I am, and, and this is why I DJed for eighteen months just as a monkey because I, I mean I had no idea what else I was going to be doing. But I think what exactly there's there's, there's something that's brought us together. There's a common thing that we want to talk through, and it, it is change, is it is improvement, and we've both got different experiences that that can that can help people with that. When when you Tell me your background and, and stuff. That to me, that sounds well exciting. It, no, it re, honestly, it really does. Because so, what is it that that gives you your your passion, your energy to do what you've done and do what you do? So you know what? Okay, awesome, awesome question. Because the answer is is is, is a bit of an odd sort of wiggly line drawing thing. So. I, a long time ago, I started a business when I was 18 and I sold it when I was 21. And it was a bit of a disaster in many cases. It was successful for a period of time. And then I sabotaged the business and I sold it for 3000 Australian dollars, which I joke is probably the price of a Starbucks coffee somewhere, right? It's, yeah. It wasn't life-changing. I had a Ford laser, this kind of crappy burnt orange Ford laser. <laughs> I packed up all my stuff with my 3000 bucks and I drove from Adelaide to Sydney. And in the back of my mind, I was told by my grandfather, who was the, mo the sort of male influence in my life for most of it, um, certainly growing up. And he said, listen, whatever you do, don't be an entrepreneur, just get a job, get a job. You know, entrepreneur equals bad, get a job equals security, safety, all of this stuff. So, so the very short version of this is I went into that. I thought, well, I, tr I love my grandfather. I trust him, you know, all these things. So I went into that fearful of that if I did anything else, it would all fail and I, you know, life would you know, come crashing down. And so I ended up having a pretty successful corporate slash private equity career. But all the way through that, I was this frustrated entrepreneurial type and I kept getting sacked. Like I'd get up to like pretty senior levels, right? You know, CEOs yeah. and all sorts of like, you know, job titles. And then I'd just piss someone off and they'd fire me. And, and so, so the, the, the sort of answer to your question is I kind of got into it because that was the programming of what I had when I was growing up. I was successful at it because I think I'm pretty relentless about a lot of stuff in life and just focused. And that's just how I've always been. And, but it was killing me, really killing me. And so as much as I learned a lot from it, I had this incident that happened about four years ago where I cracked all the teeth here in the right side of my jaw, like, boom, I was punched. And it was like, I went to bed and at 3am in the morning, I woke up and I'd cracked my teeth by clenching. It wasn't, oh, I wasn't wow. hit or anything. It was like, it was just me, like my, the strength of your jaw. And I went to the dentist next morning, doctor first, actually, and then the dentist. I didn't get back to sleep that night. And um, she said to me, yeah, you've, you've cracked your teeth. And she said, it's stress. And if I look back oh, wow. now, what had happened is I, I was living someone else's life. I wasn't living the life that was meant for me. It wasn't really my grandfather's life either. It was just this kind of weird, confused thing. It looked successful from the outside. On the inside, it was not good. And so it looks all shiny and bright and sounds great, sounds well exciting. And to some extent, there were great times. Don't get me wrong. I learned a lot. But the, the learning from it, particularly around change, is that if you are doing stuff for too long that doesn't suit your values, your standards, maybe your beliefs, the stuff that's probably deep inside that you don't really understand unless you start looking for it, then that comes back and gets you. So yeah. that's kind of the, the deepest side of what looks very exciting and the reason I do what I do now, the way I changed it, was because that stuff wasn't serving me in the areas that are important to me. Yeah, I think what's so powerful about your story, so we could, we could talk about business change and, and leadership and, and all of those things, but I think what you've just articulated there is at the heart of all of these things are people. And and I think by yeah. understanding that, that every person has got to go through an individual journey and to got to stay true to themselves, then, then that, that's what that for me is what the whether it's a a team, whether it's a business, it's about understanding what is in it for each of the individuals as well. And and at that time when when you were um, in that place where the the teeth were were doing things that they shouldn't be doing, or the jaw doing things that they shouldn't be doing, um, that that was your, that was your sign. And and I guess why did you 
how how did you let it get to that stage before before realizing that you needed to change? It, it was if again looking back is easier to understand it, right? This idea of hindsight. Yeah. So so it was all fear related. It was all um, self belief related. It was all. Uh, am I worthy, good enough to do something that I want to do, or should I just stay on the path that you know everyone expects me, or people did expect me to do, right? And yeah. so, so, but I, there was a few other things that happened. So, f- first thing that happened is my dad, who'd left when I was two, came back into my life when I was in my early thirties. He was around for about two or three years. I didn't see him very much because he lived in Australia and I was in the UK. But he passed away of cancer really quick, like within a few months. And, and we had a couple of things that had happened, like really positive, good things. It was like the last time I saw him was on this trip to America when I was running this, this long endurance marathon race. And he came in crude. It was like the first time he'd ever sort of done a dad thing that I can remember. Uh, we said goodbye on this amazing beach in Cape Cod. And the next time I saw him was in the hospital bed the day before he died. Oh. And so that happened right? Yeah. And that was full on. And, and he was very entrepreneurial. So that's the other part. Like I realized, oh, wow, perhaps, perhaps there's a bit of my DNA here. What's going on? Um, and, and I started to get ill anyway. Like I started to get stomach problems, chest pains before the teeth incident. Yeah. So all of this was going on. And so I knew, but it was fear. So anyway, what, what I ended up doing is I ended up um, getting a bit of help from a mate of mine who um, was a, a successful entrepreneur. He'd sort of retired in his late twenties. And he said, he actually said, get yourself to a Tony Robbins event. That was his, that was his advice. I was like, I'll oh, get stuffed. idiot." Yeah. <laughs> um, and anyway, long story short, I got on a plane to Chicago about a month or so after the teeth incident, I uh, went to a, an event called unleash the power within. And for the first time, probably forever, I actually sat down and did a bit of introspection and realized that there were some other things I needed to understand. And then I changed, I literally changed everything after that event and what I do now, the pod, everything, the podcast, all of it, happened from that four days I spent in Chicago back around 2017 time. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Right. Okay. Because, <laughs> and, and the reason why I say wow is because I think we've, and, and we've not, we've not spoken about any of this in the past. I think we've got a, a few things that are, are similar. There's, there's common ground here. So when I started talking about, oh, can I, can I, uh, yeah, go into I your t- thing. Cause I, I did, we set the scene and then we went into my story, but you're about to say some stuff happened to you about three or four yeah, years ago. But, but I think, I think what you, you just created a perfect segue really because, uh, and in fact, I'll ask you a question actually. Do you have, do you have a friend, Nick, that, that if you're not seen for a week or a month or a, a couple of months that when you get back together, it's like that gap has never existed. Oh, yeah. I've got uh, not many, uh, but there's probably yeah, yeah. two or three friends in my life that, if I see them, it doesn't matter if it's been 10 years, two years, 20 years, it would be the same. Yes. Amazing. And I have a, a guy called Chris, right? We've, uh, we've grown up together since the age of one. I moved onto the street. We were one year old. Mums were best friends. We went to different schools, um, but we always kept coming back together through, uh, through, through our life and stuff like that. He was best man at my wedding, godfather to my youngest, um, to my daughter. And, and about, Two and a half, well, coming up to three years ago, I got. I was working on a. I was an employed consultant, and I was working on a client site in in London. And I got a phone call, and and the phone call said that I needed to come home because Chris um, had taken a turn for the worst. And so I got on a train at London Euston and headed to uh, headed to Preston, got out of Preston, and got into a black cab, and then went over to the hospice where he was. And I uh, I went into the room, and he was lying there paler than he was like three days before when, when I left him and, and, and he, yeah, he, he looked completely different to who he was three days before. So in the room was his sister, um, one of our other mates and his ex-partner. And I said I'd stay with him that night. And so I set up camp on the couch and I stayed with him um, that night. And at 10 to 8 in the morning, I um, got up off me off, off the bed after dabbing his lips during the night and stuff. And uh, I said, right, Chris, I'm, I'll be back in a minute. I'm just uh, going to go freshen up. So I went for a wash, um, brushed my teeth and then and left the bathroom. And I looked over at him and his chest expanded. And that was it. He'd chosen that moment to, um, to, to take his last breath, me leaving the bathroom. And I genuinely believe that he chose that moment because when he was told that there was nothing else that, uh, that medicine could do for him, he was, um, we had a, I was the first person to see him and we had a conversation about, do you think, he, he said to me, he said, do you think I'll know when the time is coming? And I was like, I've got no idea. And there was a nurse in the side of the room 
And uh, and the nurse said, well, some people believe that you can and some people believe that you can't. And he looked over and he went, he went rightly, I'll let you know. I'll, I'll let you know if you can tell. And after just watching his chest expand and then go, I believe, I genuinely believe now that, that he was telling me that, he, that, that you know. Anyway, so that happened and he took his last breath. I made a few phone calls and I went outside of the hospice and I sat on a bench. It was the... Um, it was the 5th of July and the sun was beating down on me. And I was thinking to myself, you're a bloody fraud, Lee. You've, um, you tell your kids every single morning, that so my kids were like uh, three and five at the time, you tell them you can, they can be whatever they want to be when they grow up. And I'm saying, but you're not being what you want to be when you grow up. You're, you're still, you don't have your own business. You're still employed. Um, you're not you're not doing what you want to do. And and it was, and before Chris passed, I had an opportunity to, uh, he had the opportunity to share three life lessons with me because his perspective on life had changed when a time limit was on it. And I've seen this because he came around to my house to watch the football one day when he was really ill and a car had cut him up at the roundabout at the bottom of my road. And ordinarily he would have been the type of person that would flick the Vs out of the window, drive up behind the car, um, and, and, and stuff and he, he got to my house he got to the front door he went you'll never guess what happened and he told me and I was like what, what why why did you not follow him and he went well it doesn't really matter does it and it, that stuck in my head so before he passed he was going to extract his pension so he was a process engineer at Leyland Trucks okay so he wasn't a really wealthy person but he was going to extract his pension he said I'll set you up in businessly I'll give you a few grand and set you up I was like I don't want that but that story of him at the roundabout really stuck in my mind so I said to him I said what I'd love, Chris, is three lessons through your eyes that you believe are the most important that I can share with your two boys and, and with my family and our family and friends and stuff. And he was like, bloody hell, Lee, I wish you'd just ask for the money. That'd be far easier to, to, to give you. I can understand why you said that as well. <laughs> yeah, no, like, put completely. Some, put some pressure on me. I mean, I've got like, you know, a few weeks in my yeah. breath. And I've got to kind of come up with life lessons, man. What are you doing? Yeah, I know. I know. What a, what a bugger. Um, and, and I'm so grateful for him, though, that he actually reflected and thought about him, didn't just come up with three random things out of his mind then and so over over a period of a few weeks I would go back to see him and go right Lee I've got the first one he went uh, when him and his ex-partner were splitting up he said I tried to be somebody that I thought she wanted me to be it didn't make me happy it didn't make her happy so it was um so he said the first one is always be yourself always be yourself no matter what um and then a couple of weeks had passed and um and he said Every time you're not on a client site, you come and see me. One of our other friends rings uh, rings every single um, lunchtime. He says, when we've grown up, we could have chosen different paths. Um, and he says, make good friends because you never know when you're going to need them. It was, it was the second one. And then a couple of weeks before he passed, we managed to go to watch the Foo Fighters at the Etihad Stadium in Manchester. And it was an amazing, amazing gig. He bought the tickets before he was ill. Eight of us went. And on the way back from that, um, there was him and his ex-partner and, and, and the two boys in the car. And his youngest asked, is it too late for my dad to go to Anfield because we all support Liverpool? And um, so that was on a Thursday. I'd arranged a, a private tour for the Sunday. We went. It was an amazing, amazing day. We had ice creams. We had a private tour. We all bought tops and, and stuff. And in the car on the way home, I had my boy sat behind me, four years old. His, his two boys, um, 14 and 16, sat behind me. He looked at me, Chris did, and he said, um, he said how many times could we have done this? I said, uh, I said, well, yeah, we could have done it a, a number of times. He said, well, why did we wait till the time I had to be wheeled around in a wheelchair? Why did we wait till the time I couldn't get up and sit on the same seats that you did? He said, the third lesson's time to act now because time's limited. And it was me sat on that bench after watching him take his last breath with those three lessons ringing through me. I go, you're a blooming fraud, Lee. Um, and Chris has just told you, always be yourself, make good friends, time's limited, uh, that have been the catalyst, really, for for me, for the last two and a half years, really trying to understand what those three things mean to me. Because he had his reasons for it, and I've been really trying to understand what they mean to me. So for me, always being yourself is that a bit, you've touched on it already. Um, it's about your values. It's about understanding the voice in your head and how it helps and hinders you. Um, making good friends is all about, it's not just friends, it's connections, clients, customers. It's just making better connections with people. You don't know when they need me, and I don't know when they need you, and that type of thing. Um, and then always being yourself. Uh, sorry, um, acting now is those people that that always want to they want to start a diet on Monday, or they want to do start this new hobby at the beginning of the month, or wait for New Year. The reason to do it is not strong enough. If you really wanted to do it, then you would start straight after, and you would start it straight away. So act now because time's limited, and that's what those three things mean to me. I think that I think that the secret of business change, personal change, everything. Um, 
So I'm going to pause for a breath, wow. though, Nick. If what everyone honest, I've, what I've just uh, no, I'm just thinking, I'm sort of taking it all in as well. I mean, but what a gift, right? Like you know, he was going to help. Oh. He was going to help you with your business, right? Whether that was cash or whatever, and he did. He kind of gave you the principles to then explore which you've now quite rightly said, I think, you know, again, whether, whether it's life, whether it's relationships, whether it's business mission, purpose, all that stuff, right. Those things, those things absolutely resonate. And if I, if I think about them, the one that I, the one that I struggle with personally and have always probably struggled with is the last one. Yeah. You know, cause, cause I think the thing that, the thing that grates right the most, if I think back on those 15, 20 years of private equity was I just wasn't around. Like, um, have you ever seen this? It's a really full on movie. Have you ever seen, um, I'm just going to sound really bad, but have you seen American Psycho with Christian Bale? Yes. 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 Not the bit where he gets an ax or a chain. (laughs) I'm not going to say, suddenly say that I'm like that. Right. But there's a, there's a bit where he looks at in the very beginning of the movie, he looks in the mirror and he says something along the lines of, you know, you can see, you know, this person there, he's got skin, he's got flesh, you know, blood, whatever else. But actually when you really look into the, the, the eyes, he's not there. He said something like that. And that kind of categorized, I think, my how I was for a number of years. You know, I, yeah. I still don't think I'm perfect, by the way. I still think I'm rushing around doing all these crazy things, you know, trying to do like, you know, cool stuff, but but I, I'm not as present, maybe, and therefore as attentive as I as I would. So when you said those three, that was the one that jumped out and and kind of really struck me. Yeah. And I think every time every time I share them with people, there's there is one of them that that they resonate with with more and i think those three things are really really easy to say and people nod along with me when i say it but they're not really simple to do either and and they work on a micro and a macro level i was talking to a, a guy who works in a contact center and i said oh do you do i enable your agents to always be themselves um so that they can authentically build a relationship with the customer do you allow them to to make and build that relationship with the customer um, to understand and diagnose the issue and the challenge that they're ringing with? And do you empower them and enable them to then act now because time's limited to, to create that customer experience? So you can look at them at that level, these three things, for any business and, and the people that we're leading. Um, but then you can also look at them on a, on a macro level as well and kind of like, are we true to our values? Are we always authentically being ourselves? And I think back to 10 years ago, I got my first tattoo and, and it starts two and a half inches down my wrist because I was really conscious of what people would think of me. Um, I wanted it to be be, be, be um, down my wrist because a, a shirt and a jumper yeah, okay. would cover it. Um, and I was more bothered about how everybody else would feel about me or what everybody else would think of this bald northern bloke with tattoos. Well, can he really help us improve the business? No, not with them tattoos, he can't. Um, but then I think of myself, they're, they're all about my kids, they're about my family, they're about my history and, and stuff. And and I think, well, why was I so bothered about, about I mean, we make people? We make stuff up all the time, though, you know, um, things that we think are going to happen, which aren't, right? Yes. But, but the, the question I've got for you is like, so that's we're talking back 2018. What did you do after that? So after the park bench, right, where you were like reflecting on these questions, obviously you, you, you went right into that and you created a different, you know, trajectory of what you're doing now. How did, yeah. what was what were the first few moves? So um, I suffered. The first few moves, I I was it was the, it was the worst time of my life, um, and and I went into a really really dark place. I wasn't um, I wasn't doing what I wanted to do. I was, um, I was I was a horrible person to be around, and and it was only it was probably like three or four months after that that actually the the things started to. Um, started to, to come together and I started to join um, the dots and, and start to see actually how Chris's three lessons could work, kind of like what they started to mean to me as well. And I actually went on, a, um, I started doing some work for a, uh, for a client and they brought in this motivational speaker and, and this motivational speaker said at the end of the, the, the days, he said, um, he said that anybody, Anybody can change, but not everybody wants to change. And and he spoke about neuroplasticity and all of these things to me and things. And I was I was driving home um, from that through the through the hills of, of Wales, and it was like I had a huge epiphany, like a, a, a moment that kind of went. Actually, Chris's three lessons are the secret of everything, and I'm, I've got these things separate. 
Um, so I went on a journey of discovery, I guess, is to answer your first question, Nick. And then the, the second thing I did is, is how do they relate to my kids? So my kids now, every single morning we sing a little song. We go, I'm happy, I'm myself, and I always do my best. Woo! We do that every single morning, right? Um, you're not dressed. You're think... dressed as the monkey or anything like that. <laughs> no, no, I'm building up. You've got to, you've got to, you've, you've got to use the, you've got to use the, uh, the paraphernalia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah build, building up to the monkey suit with him. But because I, I thought to myself that 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 really that that for me is is just a, if if everybody can be happy and they can just be themselves and they can just always try the best and and trying the best is starting now and things. I, I've tried to distill them for 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 my two little ones so that they start to internalize them as well. Um, and so those were, those were, I guess I went on a big journey. I started to, I learned a lot about myself and I learned that actually when I'm at my darkest, that's when I start to write. So I can I've now got this process of when I'm, when I'm feeling really low, I'll just start writing. I'll write poems or write anything. Um, so I, I've, I've started to learn so much about myself in that period of time. And my biggest regret in life as well is having to lose Chris to realize those three things and to actually start to live those things. Um, that's my biggest regret in life. And somebody, uh, yeah, so uh, there's, there's so much in it and I've, I've been, I've learned so much. I'm so grateful for him to think about these things. Um, but it just annoys me, frustrates me that it took me to lose my best mate to actually realize these things. And uh, like, like you, you've got, you've got your moment, haven't you? With, yeah. with, 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 and, and, and all then, that. I mean, but, but I think, but I think sometimes like I look at it like this, right. That they, they are, you know, it's, it's a, a, a overused term to some extent, but they're gifts, right? Like, you know, at the time they don't yes. feel like it. <laughs> yeah. Right. And like everything, you know, your head's spinning, like, you know, and I, and I still kind of think, I, I still look back at that time for me and I was like, what really, what was going on there? I can't, I can't even connect with it. It's like, you know, I don't even think I've probably even dealt with it, to be honest. So it's like, you know, yeah. but, but I look now and I thought, well, if that hadn't have happened, you know, what would have happened to me? Right. I definitely, my relationship at home wasn't good. My health wasn't good. Um, you know, what would I have done? And, and, and sometimes you need that catalyst to push you into a, a space where you are then brave enough to act. Yeah. So I think that, that's what I think it is. And that does sound very similar for both of our paths. Yeah, no, it does. I think it's, is it Jack Canfield, Chicken Soup for the Soul? And in there he says, um, event plus reaction equals outcome. Yeah. And and all events should be deemed as neutral. And it's our reaction to those events, whether positive or negative, that will determine the outcome. And I think at the start, after Chris passed, uh, my reaction was not a very positive one. But then what I've tried to do over time is to make it as positive as possible from, a, from an event that I can't influence. So he was ill and he passed. Um, I've got no control over that, so that I have to deem that as a neutral event, um, even though it is horrific. Um, and my reaction is the only thing that I can alter. And I think having that perspective is probably one of the single biggest things that has allowed me to deal with it as well. What do people say about you now? So the Lee that's around today versus the Lee, obviously not 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 around the time that he passed, but before yeah. that, like you know, a couple of years, three or four years before that. So. Um, I am more focused, more driven than I've ever been because I feel like I've got this burning passion and, and desire. And before that, I didn't, have, I didn't have it. I just wanted. I was the shiny object syndrome guy that was just doing everything, DJing, a party, and bouncy castles, balloon, but all of these things that have made me who I am. Um, I was doing them in it, but now I've got this kind of this burning desire. So I'm, I'm completely driven by sharing Chris's three lessons. Uh, with as many different people in as many different avenues as I possibly can, 39 years old, taken too young. And if I can help him um, help other people and also he, he's part of my journey. So if he, his lessons can outlive me, then that's success for me now. Um, and it also prevents me from grieving for a second time and not slipping back there as well. So it's a, it's a, it's a, um, it's a coping mechanism, but it's also my purpose. Yeah, I was going to say, um, that's the word that was jumping into my head as you were talking. You found, you found your purpose that you didn't have before, not, not, yeah. not in a clear way anyway, through that whole experience. Yeah, completely, completely. And I think what Chris has done, um, uh, he, has, he has really distilled... Whether he real he, he didn't realize this, and um, but he for me has distilled the secret of business change. I always thought I was really good at improvement before beforehand, but I think with these three things, um, I think he has distilled leadership and business improvement into into things that that 
the important things, what it is really all about. It's about enabling everybody to be themselves, to speak openly and freely, to create that environment of high trust, to build relationships and connections, whether it is with customers and join those dots and then just all act now to, to achieve where we want to go. Yeah. Wow. Well, let, let's talk. Let's, I mean, let's, let's bring both of those stories to, um, to present day, right? Not, not necessarily about us, but let's talk about what's going on. So this is, uh, what, what month is it again? April? <laughs> the problem when you've been stuck in like you know your house for like months right is like you kind of go what day is it, is it saturday it's not no it's no it's not it's thursday it's a thursday yeah. in april and it's sunny um yeah, yeah. so we're starting to see the world you know start to, well whether whether it's coming back it's we're seeing the, the, the sort of some lights shining at the end of this tunnel that still seems a fair way away but you know we've got travel potentially opening up in a few weeks time from the uk We've got, uh, you know, people can go out and they can have a drink outside. That's that's a rarity, yeah. <laughs> which is good. I'm glad it's happening in the summer. Um, but you're starting to see, particularly in business, you're starting to see more optimism. And, I, and I'm, I'm sort of predicting a little bit of a slingshot back in a lot of industries where there's this pent up sort of, you know, feeling, if you like, or desire that I now need to catch up a bit. So I think there's going to yeah. be this slingshot and then it will kind of get back to some form of equilibrium. And then, of course, there'll be some things that just don't ever go back to how they were. You know um, that. So, what's your view? So, if you were going to give, um, you know, that's a, a person, it could be a business owner, it could be just someone. You know, how how do they transition out of what has been a life changing event, or certainly an event that I've never experienced in my life? How do how do yeah. we start to go back and and get some positivity and start to make some things happen post this? I think the first thing to um, to I guess recognize is that the pandemic has has forced a lot of improvements on people and on businesses and i would just consider is that improvement sustainable because we've a lot of businesses have gone digital now um, or there's elements of them that are digital but it might be it might be on um dodgy foundations because we've just had to do what we've needed to do to get to to get through it so i think we just need to to take a step back really we're, we're going to be in a place where a whole host of of people are going to be returning to work, furlough ends that we're going to return to work and we might have a, a surplus of people um, because we are now more efficient as well. So I think there's going to be a, a whole host of different challenges around, and I think we've got to hold our nerve as well and just not make knee-jerk reactions because we can now do the process with 80 people and we used to be able to do it, we used to do it with 100. What happens to those 20 people? Well, can we... Can we utilize those in a different way to, to allow us to grow further? Or do we have to, rather than instantly just go, let's let's cut costs because that's what we need to do. There's a recession coming in and these things. So I think I think there's a lot of a lot of assessment that needs needs to be done on individual situations. How would you have answered the question, Nick? I'm quite technical in, in, in my whole way I think about things. Um yeah, I can't. I can't help it. <laughs> my framework, right? yeah. I'm not. I'm not like an engineer or anything, but I just kind of see things in certain patterns. Um, I, I put it this way: I, I think there are there are probably two or three things that I don't think are ever going to go back. Now, I could be wrong about this because I've you know I've made predictions and been very wrong before. <laughs> but I don't, I don't. I just don't think people are going to go back to the way that they used to work. You know, I, I you, you see, and that's partly dictated by some of the big employers. So you're seeing. Uh, work from home protocols now being being released as people are starting to kind of go back to or, or have the ability to go back to an office environment. And a lot of the big companies are, are suggesting it's not a five-day-a-week thing anymore, mm. okay? So I, I can't imagine that will ever go back. I, I think the idea that people can be productive not in an office is a what we call a systemic change, right? So, so what does that mean? Well, just that one thing. So that means, well, what happens to corporate um, real estate? You know, and people who own big corporate buildings. What happens there? Uh, what's yeah. going to happen to house prices? You know, outside of London, in the UK, or outside of New York, or whatever. You know, whoever's listening to this, right? They're going to go up, right? Yeah. Then you've got there's a mental health aspect to this as well. You know, your point we were talking before we started recording about connection and the need to connect. So when people are kind of imagine you're single and you're stuck at home and you're working from home, how's connection going to happen? Um, yeah. So there's there's all these things that I don't think. I don't think they're going to go back to what they were. They may equalize a bit. So, so my sort of view of that is people have to, it starts with, you know, back to the leadership of yourself. You, you can't put your head in the sand. You've got to understand that these things are probably coming. So the only thing you can really do 
is work on your own mindset, your emotional states, those sort of things, just to prepare for change and understand that everyone goes on a change curve at different paces and different things, but it's a change curve for a reason. As humans, we go through, we usually go through all the way at some point. It can take a lifetime. It can take a week, but you have to understand that. And I think people need to sort of just stop a little bit and reflect on on what's going to happen now. Yeah, I think that's so important that everybody and recognizing as a leader, recognizing that everybody on your team um, and everybody in your business will go through it at different times and at different stages. Uh, and the first person that's going to go for it is yourself. Mm. Um, so yeah. it's, it's about that self-awareness, but also that, I guess, emotional intelligence to recognize that other people are going to be going through the curve at different paces, different times. I always remember delivering um a change in the public sector and I asked and as part of the solution it required somebody to move desks and to me it was the simplest thing in the world to do but to this person he'd sat in that that seat for 10 years and it was like I was I was asking him to move home and relocate to another side of the uh, the, the, the planet um it was the biggest thing in the world to him and and that for me was my first lesson that actually change is different to everybody and that that even though it might have been a small thing to me, it was massive. So I think we can't make any assumptions because um, every, everybody's different. Yeah, I, I, I was funny. I was I can't remember where I heard this. It was either a podcast or a book, so I can't um, give credit to the person, unfortunately. But uh, there was a really interesting definition of leadership, and it was at the beginning of, of the whole COVID thing where I heard this, and I thought this is really interesting. And uh, the person was saying that the two the two most important qualities of a leader, at first, firstly, is competence. So, so you don't have to you don't have to know all the answers, and you certainly don't have to be great at everything. But you have to be competent enough to be able to find the answers, right? So that's yeah. that's you know because if someone's looking up to their leader, let's say it's a business, you have to be able to trust that that person can get the job done, even through seismic change, right? And the second yeah. the second quality, which I thought was interesting, was empathy. So you have to have competency, and you have to have empathy, the ability to understand where someone is and be able to adjust your style according to where they are. So you meet the person at the level that they're, they're ready for. And I thought yeah, that yeah. was a really good simplification of leadership for me, because sometimes you hear all these kind of grand-esque titles about vision and strategy, but competency and empathy, I think are really nice framings of that. Yeah, no, completely. And I can see how they would feed into enabling your team and, and the business to, to trust you to do, because you, you're human at the end of the day. And I think those two things demonstrate um, um, that you are human because I think as well and I think what sh- social media has shown is that we have an appetite to understand that everybody's had a journey and and far too often leaders just try to show the, the shiny stuff the certificates on the wall the, the things that have the, the, the decisions that they've made that have gone really successfully and really well um, but they've all, they've all everybody's made bad decisions and wrong decisions and I think by showcasing those as well just demonstrates that that you are human and i think other people will trust you and it makes um failures become acceptable and then we can learn and, and grow um so now i completely resonate with with those two things what you, what you shared there nick yeah and I, and I think i think the the other thing that i'm sort of um reflecting on as well and i and i work with different business owners around this is don't feel just because things haven't been what you expect them to be for the last couple of years, don't think that you have to catch it all up within three months, right? Or six months. Just, yeah. you know, one of, one of my coaches said to me once the, the concept of slowing down to speed up, which I think comes from a sort of a militant Navy SEAL type of um, quote. Um, but this whole idea, whole idea that actually you're going to get better perspective, you're going to get better awareness. You, you know, you can probably see things from 30,000 feet. And at that, at that level, then you can make better choices and decisions. Whereas if you think, yeah. oh my God, you know, my, you know, I've got to catch up. I've got to catch up. I've lost all this money. I'm behind my competitors, whatever, whatever the, the thing is, then that's probably going to make you or force you to make the wrong decisions, which means actually it's going to take longer and be more painful to get to where you get to anyway. So I think that's another yeah. insight for people to think about. Completely. And do, I guess just, just for you, Nick, actually, have, have you led people differently during this period than before? Yeah, I, 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 firstly, I, the first thing I'd say to that question is I, I, I sort of, I learned something about myself through this period, which was sort of expected and then it sort of wasn't. So the first thing I learned was when, when things get really chaotic, I quite like to lean into it. So I thought, well, that's quite interesting. Like, you know, for me, it was like, you know, how can I help this situation? What can I control? So I had this big control tendency, which was a bit weird. Then I had the whole fear thing. Well, this is now going on longer than that. 
So yeah. I created roll the sleeves up for the first two months. You know, I'll be back traveling again, you know, by the summer last year. And then all of a sudden this is now kicking in. And then I'm thinking, do I, do I really have enough money in the bank account? <laughs> right. I, yeah. There was a really funny point where I was doing, I was doing more kind of coaching stuff back then. So I have changed what I do now. And I had, you know, 15 to 20 clients that I was working with one-to-one. And it's funny, I lost every single one except for one. Wow. Right. And, and it was like, it was, I, I said to a mate of mine, I said, it's like Jerry Maguire, you know, I've, that, that one client, I'll tell you what, they, they had a great year. They really did have a great year. Yeah. <laughs> that's, all, that's all I had. But that was a real thing that for me, that was like, oh my God, you know, what's going on here? And, you know, I've, I've got other businesses and other things going on, but you know, some of those, we had to close one business down that wasn't performing. So I was absolutely fine. The, 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 the truth of the story is I was absolutely fine. I'd prepared for this, even though I didn't know it was coming and I was fine, but my mental state, my psychology, and therefore my emotional state didn't react the way that it should have, even though everything was fine. Yeah. That, that was weird. So, yeah. so to your question, sorry, long answer to your question. Have I led people differently? In the beginning, I went quite insular. Then I, back to the change curve, I, I got used to it. Then I started to be much, much better, I think, overall as a leader because I went inside first. And my clients since and my businesses since, certainly the last six months, have been better than they have been for years. So that's interesting. Yeah. That's another, I still haven't worked it all out. Right. You can tell Katya, I'm still going, uh, what's going on, but, but they're the, they're the, the proof points if you like, or they're the results of what's of however I tackled it. Yeah. I think, I think that is really quite interesting as well, because I think all leaders will go through a similar journey, dependent upon the state of the business and whether it comes back to Maslow. I think Maslow's mm-hmm. hierarchy comes, um, forces us or doesn't force us, but kind of, um, teaches and shows us that actually we react differently dependent upon whether actually can we can we pay can we pay everybody this week or this month or not and what do we need to do and, and do we have enough time to to allow these people to learn and, and things so we can be the that we can have the best ideas and, and belief but actually if we can't pay everybody then then we're going to have a different challenge and a different conversation and a, and a different set of actions and I think it just comes back to what you've said beautifully, beautifully articulated before about the change curve and everybody's going through it. Um, and I think the, the different circumstances that we go through force us to behave differently as well. I could chat to you all day, Nick, if I'm honest. Well, we're coming to the end, but I do want to ask you, I want to ask you that question um, back. And I've also got another question before we finish up as well. So, so for you, what about you? How, how have you changed or, you know, your leadership style um, through particularly the last sort of 12 to 18 months? Yeah, I think um, at times it's been quite, quite hurry for the business um where we had to learn how to sort of business get knowledge business improvement stuff and we were like 18 months ago going into businesses to support businesses to to do better all face-to-face stuff and then as soon as boris said you're all in lockdown it was like uh we can't go into any businesses now well what how do we do what we do and so we have to we have to learn um and it was very much rolling the sleeves up how can we how can we work with our clients to um to learn how to deliver things virtually. Um, one thing that one thing that has been really good from for this period is it's allowed me to be creative. I, I'm quite okay. a creative and a visual person as well, so I've I've been able to be creative with solutions. And it comes back to that shiny object syndrome person. I think that that thing inside me. Whereas before it was quite rigid. We would do a program of work for this particular period of time with a client face to face and things. But now it's kind of like it, we, we need to throw up our model and and then see how we can actually deliver it. So it's allowed me to to return to my creative thing, which has created we've allowed we've been able to create more products and services that can help more and more people. Um, but and I think at times when when the money has been close to the wire and we've had some really difficult conversations myself and the business partner Jason, um, we've had to make more difficult decisions than I would ever ever want to make and and. Um, and that plays with my conscience as well because I'm I, I love people, um, and and I don't like to. I, I, if I could, I would just help everybody for free, um, because I want it to be completely frictionless, um, and I want to get to a place where I can do that. But I'm not I'm nowhere near that yet. But 
because I want it to just be frictionless. I just want to provide value. Um, so yeah, the different conditions that we've found ourselves in has driven different behaviours and different to how I would have wanted to behave if I could choose. And, and the situation with you know, having gone through um, Chris passing, and and you know I've, I've had a couple of friends who have passed away in their forties too that I've good friends with back in Sydney when I lived there, and they both died really you know, in their forties, but not say tragically, but just quickly, right? Yeah. Um, did that? Does that make you look at things a bit differently anyway? Just generally, like you think, okay, well, the only things that really matter in life are you know the three principles and, and connections and relationships, right? So. So, you know, obviously you don't want to lose your house. <laughs> you don't want to be homeless. Yeah. So, so, you know, it's that. But there's also this idea that, you know what, the only thing that matters is those connections, right? So this will pass, you know. Do you think things like that these days? Is that is that sort of part of your your mindset? Com- completely, completely, purely. Because, I mean, we could go really deep now on, on who are we and um, how, how are we physical and all of that spiritual and all of that. We'll not go down that because I'm conscious of... Uh, you, you, you're, you're a busy, popular chap. Um, well, <laughs> so, we're, well, so we're boring people here for an hour of us. Yeah. <laughs> there is a reason for this. This is about, you know, how you can change. This is how you can evolve, right, and improve from change, right? That's that, that's what we're talking about, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, com- completely. But, it, I mean, it comes down to the importance of people and the importance of humans, and I never realised. So I always thought I was a people person, but I'm even more of a people person now, and that first person I've got to look after is myself, and I think that's how Chris's three lessons have really focused me. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Wow. All right. Well, let's, let's, let's finish up there. Um, is you're right. We could just keep going on for ages. I can't believe it's taken months to do this. You know, I'm going to talk to my, uh, my automation team. <laughs> I, kept saying, I kept saying when Lee was popular, I said, well, I, I've, we've been talking about this for a year. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Anyway. We'll, we'll, have to, we'll have to have a follow up at, at a point in time as well, actually. I think I'd really, I, I would really like to continue this conversation, Nick, maybe not down a spiritual route, um, but I would really definitely like to have, uh, continue a conversation with you. Yeah, cool. No, absolutely. Well, the fireside chat, I like the format of this, right? Because, you know, say we get to share it on our, our respective podcasts. It's a bit of a natter, right? You know, so it doesn't have a lot of structure to it. As you said, we had a bit of a theme, but we knew, you know, we'd just chat and go somewhere with it, which is cool. So it's yes. been a delight having you on um, Scale Up Your Business. Um, thank yeah. you, finally. Um, yeah. Really cool. No, no, likewise. And, and thank you very much for taking uh, taking part in Business Problem Solved. I love this. I, I really like this, actually. It's really good. And honestly, it's been an absolute pleasure to to chat with you, understand a little bit more about you, and, and just see how good you look after a haircut. Oh, you know what, the haircut. That that has been, that's my golden moment of the last few months. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like, you know, is it, it's like Superman has had the kryptonite cut from his head. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, good stuff, mate. Thanks very much. Okay. And let's do it again. Yeah, perfect. Cheers, Nick. And there you have it, another episode of Scale Up Your Business. Thank you very much for listening. And if you haven't yet, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help the show become even better. And while you're there, make sure you hit that subscribe button to help you on your scale up journey. Now, perhaps you're thinking of growing and scaling your business. Perhaps now is the time. If that's you, then please check out suyb.global. That's where we have all of our programs, including the Growth Accelerator Partnership, the Maximize Value Partnership, all of our services, and of course, coaching and mentoring. Once again, be grateful, be brave, have faith, and show up. Until next time.